Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. And to those of you joining us online, we're so glad to have you all with us here today. And it's been wonderful to see more and more people coming back in person and actually getting to meet some of you for the flesh in the first time. It's great. How often have you said something like, I will never, ever do that again, like never again? It was so obvious in the moment how destructive the choice was, like either trivial, you know, eating the whole bag of chips, or much more serious, you fill in the blanks. And then within days or weeks, you've done it again. Oops, I did it again. One of Britney Spears' biggest hits. Now, don't judge me. The only reason we know that is we have teenage girls. A memory even of something that at the time was so clearly disastrous, it can fade. It can lose its power and grip on us, and we do it again. We forget the things we need to remember. And then on the other hand, we remember the things that we want to forget. There may be words in your life that you've heard. They'll never amount to anything. Or pictures or videos that you've looked at or situations you've been a part of that you would love to forget, and you can't. They've got a grip on your heart. You're not just mentally recalling them, they're seared into your consciousness and they affect you, impact your choices, your relationships, what you think is possible for the future. What we remember and what we forget what is seared into our consciousness, and what is not. It hugely impacts the choices that we make every day and whether we have hope for the future. Now, I'm going to tantalize you by saying that the key to how we handle all the troubles of life is found in Psalm 103, which Roman just read for us. Because Psalm 103 is about what we remember and what God forgets. So whether you're new with lots of questions or doubts, or you've been learning how to follow Jesus for many years, Psalm 103 can be a gift for us today. We've just finished the first third of our E100 preaching series looking at the essential 100 passages of the Bible, and knowing that past behavior is actually the best uh, indicator of future behavior, it's been so encouraging to be reminded of how God has acted since the dawn of time. We've seen God make a covenant, a, a divine human relationship with the Israelites. I'll be your God, you will be my people. God then led them out of slavery uh, in Egypt, into the Promised Land. And despite the fact that every single time the Israelites dropped their end of the bargain, God's remained faithful. And Israel is now in its golden age with its famous kings, David and his son Solomon, who built the temple for God in Jerusalem in 957 BCE. That book of Psalms, the, the book of songs, which we read from this morning, is closely associated with King David, since he wrote uh, over half of the 150 Psalms, including 103. 
And the Psalms is the preeminent place in the Bible that deals with matters of the heart. It's like a counseling casebook with cases of just about every kind of trouble. You know, anger or doubt or fear or shame, you name it. And those may be very real emotions for some of you here today. But what's interesting about this psalm is that it's not addressed to God. It doesn't make any reference to enemies or even any particular problems uh, that anyone's struggling with. It's addressed to us. And very specifically, it's addressed to our hearts, what our hearts remember and what they forget. Look at the opening verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all God's benefits. Right here, the psalm is diagnosing our problem. The reason we struggle to handle so much of life we forget God's benefits. We forget God's character. We forget what God has done and therefore will do. What we don't remember. What we need to remember. And while it may not sound like an earth-shattering revelation to us, that's the key that Psalm 103 is holding out as the way to handle life. Forget not God's benefits. And this is because the English word remember doesn't do justice to what it meant in the original Hebrew. We think of remember just like, you know, mental recall. Oh, that's right. I went to the hockey game on Friday night. Or I can't remember the 28 slight variations on my password for every stupid online transaction I have to make. But King David here is talking about something much deeper than simple mental recall. The Hebrew word for remember is one word you don't want to forget. It's zakar. To zakar is to use your hands and your feet and your lips in action based on what you're remembering. It's bodily action, not just the mental recall of a thing. It's like the difference between two men remembering their wedding anniversary. Let's call these men Tim and Chris. Tim remembered his wedding anniversary by buying his wife flowers and writing in a card how much he loves her. Chris remembers by having it marked in his phone. And he's genuinely surprised when his wife bursts out at the end of the day, you forgot our anniversary. Of course I didn't forget, says Chris. I've been remembering it all day long. Zakar, remembrance seared on our consciousness that leads to action. It's not simply remembering in the mind, mental recall. You see, one of the terrible things that uh, sin does, sin in my life, sin in yours, is that the beautiful and, and loving and wonderful things that have happened to all of us that should keep us hopeful, they should keep us patient, they should keep us kind of calm in the midst of troubles, they fade, those memories fade. And it's the ugly things, the, the lonely things, the painful things, those are the ones that seem to stick. You know how you can receive a million compliments about something you've done at work? 
and it's the one critical email, the one negative post, the one person who didn't talk to you. That's what we remember. Because what we remember, what becomes central to our consciousness is what controls us for good or for bad. And if what is seared on our consciousness is that God is good, that God is to be relied upon, that God has good plans for us, then we'll be able to handle whatever uh, tomorrow holds. But if what's imprinted on our heart is the injustices, is the slights, uh, are the disappointments of life, and we all have them, but if that's what's seared here, we're going to be bitter, we're going to be frightened. So how do we zakar? How do we remember all of God's benefits so we can handle like the lives we all have? Verses 1 and 2 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all God's benefits. Notice here the phrases, right? My inmost being, all that's within me, my soul. King David then goes on throughout the psalm to recite many of God's past actions. It's like David is doing the E100 with us. And it's as if he's preaching to himself, uh, talking to his soul. And the rest of the psalm is a very like, practical, logical outlining of God's activities in the past, of how God has never abandoned God's people. That's why it's a terrific habit to read the Bible each day. It's a, a practical memory aid of God's character and activity. That's why God has given us the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist, a tangible reminders of God's grace and activity in the world. It's why the sacraments are critical to Christian life. It's why being part of a Christian community is so transformative because we're reminded that we're not alone as we learn how to follow Jesus. And we can link arms with our fellow Christians to make a tangible difference in other people's lives. These practical remembrances of God's presence and activity, reading the Bible, taking the sacraments, being part of Christian community, they're feeding our innermost being, they're nourishing our souls, they're searing onto our consciousness the character of God so we do not forget God's benefits. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that all I'm really talking about uh, with this remembering, Zakar, uh, a remembering that shapes us for action, is, is a kind of pious uh, self-talk. I'm great, you're great, it's all going to be great. That's the secret to get through life. And you really should cancel your pre-authorized giving if that's all we had for you this morning. Because that would just be words. That would just be an abstraction. Just standing in the mirror each morning and telling yourself that God loves you is an abstraction. It's an idea. It's not going to do the trick. But the gospel... The gospel is not just words. It's not an abstraction. One of the worst things that can ever happen to us is to be forgotten. You know, to not show up at the party and for no one to realize you didn't come. Or for people at work to not notice you've been on leave. Arguably the most 
haunting moment in the life of Jesus was when he was dying on the cross and he cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And actually the Greek word that we've translated as forsaken, it's actually forgotten. God, my God, why have you forgotten me? As King David talks to his own soul in this psalm, in verse 10, we hear how God does not treat us as our sins deserve. And multiple times, the Bible talks about God actually forgetting our sins. God forgets our sins because on the cross, Jesus was forgotten. Jesus was forgotten so we could remember God's benefits. God forgot Jesus for an agonizing moment on that cross so we could be remembered for all eternity. Why does President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine inspire us so much? Why, why are we moved by this man? Because he's not forgotten his people. He's not abandoned them in their darkest hour. He's staying with them as the bombs fall and death descends. He moves us because he seems to be willing to lay down his life so Ukraine will not be forgotten. He moves us because it's what we all want. We want someone who will not forget us, who will not abandon us in the hour of our death. We want someone who's willing to die for us. This is not an abstraction. This is the gospel, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to lay down his life for our eternal freedom, for our eternal hope, for our eternal life. This is not simply a, an idea, a, a feel-good mantra we can say to send ourselves good vibes. This is the reality of what God has done for us. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Moses, David, and Solomon. The God we're worshiping this morning. And when this reality becomes seared on our consciousness, our innermost being will be able to face whatever's coming. And you see, the gospel, it's not just about us. It's not just something that's meant to help us get through the week, although it does. Um, but not forgetting God's benefits... It's the thing that can equip us to serve other people, our children, right? Friends, people we've never met across an ocean. Miroslav Volf is a Croatian theologian, and he teaches right now at Yale. This is what he says. If the absence of pain in our own life is our highest value. We will lack the courage to struggle against pain in the lives of our neighbors. Only when we have set aside our desire for comfort or, or career advancement or physical beauty or whatever it is we think will give us a, a less painful life, only when we've set that aside as our highest good, right, our greatest goal, only when we've pressed into our consciousness that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is to be trusted, will we then have the courage to sacrifice for others? What pain is the West willing to suffer 
to struggle against the pain of Ukraine or South Sudan or indigenous peoples. God forgets our sins so we can remember God's love. We have a God who laid down his life for us so we can live for other people. That's what our worship gathered together today can sear into our consciousness, soak into our innermost being for tomorrow and for however many days God grants each of us on this earth. Friends, on Ash Wednesday, Christians around the world united in prayer and fasting for Ukraine and frankly for all the suffering in the world, and there is much. And I'd like us again today for a brief moment to pray for what is unfolding there, that this prayer would move us into action. And we'll tell you about an organization that we're supporting at the end of our service. But just where you're seated, we're going to take a moment of silence and then please join me as you feel comfortable the prayer on the screen. It's written by a French community called Taizé, and they wrote this prayer this week. As you're able, let's pray. Risen Christ, as we remain in silence before you, we let this ardent prayer rise up. May the firing of weapons in the land of Ukraine cease. Welcome into your love those who are dying from violence and war. Console the families in mourning. Support those who've had to take the road of exodus. Faced with incomprehensible suffering, we still believe that your words of love and peace will never pass. You gave your life on the cross and you opened a future for us even beyond death. So we implore you, give us your peace. You are our hope. Amen.